It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Keller from the film consulting and promoting initiative Felix Motor Society. Now, let's start the show. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen media empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm Jake Amaru, the writer-director of Deviation. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart. Page the screen. Com up in my bum, please. Snake, get up to my motorcycle, running and tracking up with my fucking snake, genius. With Dom, eating pizza and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen Moviecast. Hi, Stuart. Hi. Can you hear us? Oh, yes, there we go. That's that's me getting, that's me getting up with a mute button pressed on a headset, so sorry about that. <laughs> I... I have no idea whether it's morning, evening, afternoon. <laughs> Night shifts are amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So, how are you both? Yeah, I'm. I'm not doing too yeah. bad. Yeah, I've got a slight cough. So, if I do start with a coughing fit halfway through, I apologise. But I've got a drink here, so I should be fine. It's all right. Been there, had that. It's uh, mm. yeah. When you know you're going to talk for like forty odd minutes or an hour, and you've got a cough, it's uh, yeah, it's fun in games, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this is the first, this is the 456th episode of the podcast I've done, right. but this is the first uh, first set of guests that I've had on this year, so thank you for that. Brilliant. Oh, that's yeah, nice. That's, that's nice. That's uh, a nice exciting, thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nice so thank you for that. Now, I know who you both are, but people listening to this have no idea because I haven't introduced you yet. So would you like to introduce yourselves? And also, when people when people meet you, how do you introduce yourself? Do you go with, like, I'm a filmmaker? Or it always makes me curious how people introduce what they do in the creative world. So I'll let you go first, Gage. Cool. So, yeah, I'm Gage Oxley, and I would say when I meet people that I'm a writer and director. Um, all the time I say filmmaker. Um, yeah, just trying to get any any opportunities to say what I do in there, really. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's what I'd say. Cool. Um, I'm Sean Carey. Um, I'd say when I talk to people, I'd usually just say that I'm a creative in the film industry. Um, I like to keep it nice and vague because I usually um, do a lot of jobs within that, um, depending on what projects I'm working on. Um, in relation to Oxygen Films, I'm the director of communications for the entire company and for Wretched Things, I was producer and also assistant director. I noticed I was looking at the IMDb's earlier. It's like you, you both wear a lot of hats during a production, yes. don't you? Yeah, I think that's one of the that's kind of part and parcel of independent production. Really, you've got to be an author in a lot of ways, and just 
fill as many roles as humanly possible, really, yeah. But, I mean, that's the downside. Obviously, you've got to do lots of different things, but then the upside is you get to do lots of different things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's... uh... So where I mean I've watched Wretched Things. Um, I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more behind the scenes for it. But where where do you start when you think I'm going to make this project called Wretched Things? So you know you've written it, Gage. What, what is the very beginning of it? Um, well, the beginning of it is um, seeing what new challenges we face because with everything we do at auction films, we try and make something that's a bit of a challenge. Um, we constantly want to you know to grow and develop as filmmakers and creators so that's the first step and then i usually send it on to sham and she is usually terrified by <laughs> the prospect of having to do what i've decided you know we we should be looking at um but takes it on with with a, a full full force so um yeah i mean for us um wretched things came about actually roughly around this time last year um it was we were sat in uh, a hotel room coming from um, BFI Future Film Festival, which was around this time last year, um, deciding what on earth we should be doing that year. Um, and it was very much, I think, a collaborative process. We'd all had an idea about what the story would be. Um, and we just wrote it and, and did it, really, yeah. So Gage mentioned that you, you get a little bit terrified, Sean, when it comes <laughs> to what... How, how much validity is there, is there in that? Do you genuinely get a bit of a panic thing there? And what sort of panic is it? Um, I'd say in terms of the panic, it's more a um, a very intense anxiety as to how we're going to get it done. Um, because a lot of um, Gage's ideas can be very, very challenging. I, I remember in particular Pulse was incredibly difficult because um, that was all in one take and it was done on one day, one filming day to get this take. And if we didn't get the take, then that was that. I mean, so it was it was down to me to kind of figure out logistically how we could go ahead and do something like that. Um, so yeah, there's this, there's this panic of we need to realise this, but also take into consideration a lot of logistical issues as well. So um, yeah, that's, um, that's how the panic shows itself. <laughs> but usually it's not a case of um, shutting down ideas because we always want to challenge ourselves here. So it's a case of just thinking, not this isn't going to work because it's too um, ambitious, but this is ambitious. How can we do it? Yeah, because it's a very clever film because I've been fortunate enough to see it. So thank you, Gage. Thank and you for the comments. I'm glad you as, thought that. No, as somebody who's watched thousands of films i don't know how many i've seen but i know for a fact it's in as many many thousands i started watching a film and we're introduced to to ben the character uh played by warren and we're, we're kind of trained when we watch films to go oh this is the character this is the one we're going to follow through the next hour and a half two hours however the, the long the film is but it's kind of different it threw me a little bit with wretched things in a good way, and you go. Do you know what? <laughs> when you've seen thousands and thousands of films, it's very rare that you see something that's that's very different. I mean, you watch like a Donnie Darko or something now and again. You go, I've not seen that before. But with with a lot of drama films, they do tend to follow the, the film narrative that we're used to. So we we see a character, we follow the journey, we find a conclusion. Not so much with Wretched Things. Where was the where was the idea that it was going to? Um, I'm not giving anything, I hate giving spoilers away, so don't worry about that. I don't even put them in reviews. But it has a different sort of structure, does Wretched Things, than the usual narrative. Where did that idea come from? Yeah, um, I think for me the idea more came from we've got a lot of different stories that we really want to tell. With everything we do 
at, um, at auction films, um, you know, we, we look at a different part of uh, the LGBT community or mental health or things like that, that I think a lot of other film companies or productions don't really explore um, because we want to make sure that what we are doing is representative of those issues and something that isn't really looked at. Um, and we had these three very unique narratives that wouldn't really work for one character. I think if one character had to face everything that happened in this film, um, it'd just be a bit too much for them. Um, so that was the first idea. We had these three unique stories that couldn't have been told by one character. But equally, I love this idea that um, when we watch a film, we are dropping in on a person's life and we see what their situation is, what they're going through, and then we leave them and it's up to us to realize that actually there is a life going on with that character as soon as we've you know as soon as the credits are rolling in in as far as we're aware that that character is still living their lives and for me um i just love that idea and and wanted to explore that within a film with three very different characters where um we might explore one story but we look away for a second and we follow someone else entirely um but that character just because we don't see him is still living um and so for me that was kind of where that inspiration came from and it's been several weeks since i watched wretched things but i'm still wondering what some of these characters are up to so i, I get what you're saying i think that's really good because the film's what it's like 80 minutes yes yeah so it's, it's, in total yeah so i've spent an hour and 20 minutes watching several different characters weeks after i'm still going do you know what i, I wonder you know i wonder how he's getting on how's ollie is he happy How's his laptop? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm really glad you thought that. That's exactly what we'd set out to do. So I'm, I'm really glad you you feel that. And hopefully the other viewers of, of the film will equally feel, you know, impacted enough to feel that too. Now, one of the things, there's many, many things that struck me about Wretched Things. But one of them, you've got a character in there called Louis, who's not necessarily the most likable person in the world. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm not alone in thinking that. He's, you know, the first two characters in the film that, you know, for the main chapters, you go, you know what? They, they seem like nice people. I'd, I'd hang out with them. Not so much with Louis. I think no. Louis, Louis needs a bit of a slap quite often, I think. <laughs> but he gives possibly one of my favorite speeches that I've seen in a film this year. And it's the one about labels. Mm-hmm. Where you know everybody's got a label, and, and you know I haven't written a speech down, so I can't. I'm not going to paraphrase it, or anything, but it's a very good speech about labels. And a lot of the reviews and articles about wretched things do seem to have labels attached to the reviews. Is that is that a, a benefit to wretched things, or is that not a benefit? Because I tried to. I mean, you saw my review, so thank you for for reading that. I tried not to put labels in that. Um, because when I was watching it, you go, how am I going to, how am I going to comment on this film? Well, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that. And then Louis gives a speech about labels and you go, do you know what? He's spot on. I'm not going to do it. I've got to stay away from labels. <laughs> so tell me about that speech. Was that something that was very early on that was going to put in there or, you know, where did that all come from? Um, well, I think that one thing to address is that, um, typically we do like to avoid labels, but it does work for our marketing to, market wretched things as an lgbt film i think that it'd be nice in the future when we can just sort of say it's a it's a thriller but uh, for now and there's a certain necessity to have that lgbt label on because it it gets more audience members in and because it's something that they're interested in and it's something that they're very keen to see 
shown on film. So um, I think that that's very important for us. Um, as to the kind of creative process of that amazing speech, I'm going to take you to the right. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Which speech. Is obviously good. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, there's, a, there's a certain... Um, there's a certain raise in films, especially over the last few years, which are featuring LGBT th- uh, themes. So we had, you know, Moonlight, which won the Oscar a number of years ago. We had Call Me By Your Name, which is an incredible, uh, what I'd say, an LGBT film. Um, and it is that struggle between labelling and not labelling, as you mentioned, with marketing. Um, a lot of the time, um, you know, growing up, I didn't have access to queer films or LGBT films because they weren't really a thing whereas now we're lucky enough to have that and I think at the moment there is that necessity of making sure that gay people who want to watch gay films can find them easily because there's such an abundance of films now um but equally yeah I mean I I think that speech that speech has transcended beyond the actual character and about the actual uh that the character didn't want to be labeled Uh, actually it's more about community as a whole and about a lot of different things that that don't require labels or don't want to have labels so I'm glad you kind of picked up on that and and that's really stuck with you because um that is the speech of the film I think definitely Um, so um yeah I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you felt that I think there's many things in the film that people will take away and definitely the speech by Lou is one of them so you know it happens at quite an interesting point in the film as well. I don't want to spoil it for your no. audience or for anyone, but I think the place and way it happens is uh, equally as part of shocking as the speech itself. Yeah, because it does. It it, it is literally and they, they use the phrase a lot when they're talking about films, but it is a roller coaster. Yeah. So it's you know you you're not you're not necessarily tense all the way through the film, but it, it, sometimes you'll see something kind of funny and then you'll you'll have sympathy for a character and you sort of give him a hug or whatever. And then other times you'll want to throttle the character and <laughs> throw them through, through your window or whatever. So it is, it's, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's a lot of fun because it's not a popcorn film. I don't think is it, but it's a really enjoyable and a well-made film by everybody involved. So, you know, with, with Sean with her 58 different job roles. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, I mean, what's the release journey for it? I mean, you've had your premiere, so I'll be wondering how that went. I wish I would, I was, uh, was able to get there, but unfortunately, I'm many, many hours north of of London. But uh, yeah. what's the release plans for? Richard? Well, the um, the first chapter we're hoping to release very, very soon, um, available on Amazon Prime and also just online because we want to make it. I think that chapter one is definitely one of the more accessible films of the of the triptych. So we're hoping to get that out there as as quickly and as in many places as possible um in terms of the rest of the film uh hopefully we'll have a northern premiere which you can make as well a lot of our crew are from the north we made the film entirely in leeds so we are really really keen to get um some publicity and release uh in in the region because we want to say thank you to everyone who's helped us up here um and equally um you know we're just trying to get as many eyes on it as possible um we've now got a quite a nice fan base and a quite a nice following behind some of the previous films that we've made that we're excited to get out to. Um, and hopefully if they liked some of our previous films like this, where we live in impulse, they'll like this one too. Um, I think it's different, um, but maybe a good level of different. I don't know if you'd agree. It's definitely a good level yeah. of different. <laughs> um, I think something that Gage said um, when we actually premiered the film, um, which we haven't mentioned here is that, um, we constantly like to challenge ourselves as a production company. So um, I, 
to bring it up again, Pulse it made in one take. Whereas this one, it's about challenging the audience and the audience's perceptions. And I think that's something that the film definitely gets across. Mm. I think even if people, you know, we're, we're anticipating the reactions already and, and certain responses from reviewers have been absolutely fantastic, like yourself, uh, which we're really, really grateful for. But, you know, for us, um, we're well aware that some people are going to hate this film um and we kind of quite like that um the fact, <laughs> okay um you know we want we think it's such a challenging film that um it, it's and it's such an extreme film that i think it will get extreme reactions um and as, for us as long as we don't get any people going yeah, it's, it's all right then we're happy with that we want people to either love it or hate it and i think hopefully it's marmite enough to, to be that <laughs> That's that's where I was headed with it. I think um, I I can't remember a specific filmmaker that said it, but I think a few have where the worst possible review that they can ever get of a film is it's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty good. They either want people to go, "Wow, that was amazing, really liked it," or "That is one of the most has made me angry." <laughs> I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to tell everybody how angry the film made me. So yeah, you you've definitely not made a film that's like it's all right. It's pretty, <laughs> killed an hour and a half. It's pretty good. What else is what's on Netflix? You know that type of thing. You have made a film that will provoke discussion. Definitely, yeah, good, I think it's but... quite a provocative film. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm just excited to hear what people think, to be honest, and have have those discussions because for us, a lot of our films look at very challenging topics and issues. And the main thing for why we make films is so that people start talking about them. So regardless of whether they like it or not if they're talking about it that's all that matters to us well it was somebody on twitter that put me uh or rather put you and wretched things on my radar and uh, it's a girl called lola oh yeah she, yeah. she's a big fan of tommy viles yeah so she's yeah. like she i think she'd noticed that he, he was in this film and then for, for weeks and weeks it's like wretched things wretched things wretched things <laughs> what, what have you heard anything about it so i then contacted you um, and then I'm trying to find out about Richard things and stuff. There, so it's people are talking about it, and people are passing on the secret of Richard things. Going, watch this film, watch it. It's good. So I thank you to all for putting it on my radar. So that was good. Um, but where do you get your energy from? This is a question for both of you. Where where do you get your energy from to sort of take a project from its beginning and you've it's you know it's it's out there now the films. The film's done. Do you ever have days when you're just totally exhausted and how do you push through it? Um, it is just a constant battle to really push yourself through and get it done. But I think the most important thing is if you've got this overarching idea of what the film is, then and you know how much it's going to affect its audience and how important it is for the community, then it really doesn't matter how challenging it is. You've just got to do it. It's almost like you you breathe it for a certain amount of time and that is just it. And all the crew came together. I mean, we work as a non-profit organisation, so everybody in this film gave up the time for free. And that is that is so lovely to experience when you have that many people on a set that are all willing to put the effort and energy in for nothing other than the fact that they can say, this is a film that we've made and we think it's really important. And it's incredible. So yes, um, it can be tiring, but the product at the end is is the thing that makes it all worth it yeah definitely i 100 percent agree with that i think you know we, we work really really hard to produce things we do um you know we uh, when it came to actually production we, we shot the film in june last year and it was a solid month of working 24 7 even if the film you know we, we only shot a certain amount of days within within june every single day we were 
working on the film, getting things out there, making sure everyone was fine. And it was. But, you know, as John mentioned, it's completely worth it because now we've seen the end product. Now we're seeing the people's reactions and and our films are designed to to make people speak, as I mentioned. And we've we've had people who've come to us and said that they have been able to come out to their families, that they've been able to access the mental health services they require. Um, and so the fact is that we know that film is such an important medium that can change people's lives. And our films are lucky enough to be able to do that for some people and at the end of the day, that's exactly why we do what we do. And it doesn't matter if we're working 23, 24 hours a day on it, because having, you know, we're doing what we enjoy doing. Um, and uh, we're, we're making the things that we want to make, which is uh, such a privilege. So what was, off the top of your head, what was the longest day that you had on the shoot? Oh, it would, would have been scene 32, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd have said scene 32, yeah, which was the, um, that was a scene with Dale, wasn't it? Yeah, it um, tonight, because we needed that shot. Yeah, there was, there was a specific <laughs> scene which was um, shot with Dale Money and Adam Yard in Chapter 3, um, where um, Adam, who plays quite a homophobic, um, quite a vile character, as you've mentioned, you wouldn't be friends with him, um, brings this man back to his apartment. And we are uncertain how he's going to respond. Um, the man is uh, a gay man and it's in the, set in the 90s, so the backdrop of the HIV and AIDS crisis, it's all a bit tense. We don't know how he's exactly he's going to react. And that scene, uh, which spanned a full production day, which was the only kind of scene that we gave the full production day to, um, and we shot it all throughout the day when it was meant to be at night and we had to wait right until kind of, even though we were shooting in the height of summer as well, June, so we had to wait until like 10, 11 p.m. until it got anywhere near dark to get the shot of the window. Um, and, you, but, you know, down to the dedication of the cast and crew, we managed to get it, and it looks, it's a fantastic scene. It's one of my, it's one of my favourites, actually. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably one of the, one of the longest, longest days. But to me, June just feels like one big long day. So. <laughs> it does. I bet it does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like June the first or whatever date it was, and then that was it for yeah. pretty much thirty days. Then wasn't it? Yeah, and a lot, a lot happened in June as well. It's like the football, the World Cup. Um, there was just like everything going on, and it was just like <laughs> it was so hot as well. It was just ridiculously hot, and it just all kind of felt like you know June was the wretched things month for me. <laughs> Definitely, um, but yeah, no, it, was, it was a good, it was a fantastic time, and you know we've been working on it for much longer than just this you know month we've been working on it for over a year i mean we casted adam Iada, who plays louis in the third chapter we cast him in november two years ago so it's been a work in progress for a long long time and now we're starting to see the successes of it and how excited was adam to play a character like louis because it's there is there's a lot to go with there um he definitely took the challenge on board um it was funny actually because i remember him mentioning on set that the character had stayed with him so much like he, he'd felt like he was this character when he auditioned for the role he almost came into the audition room as that character which was really scary to see because you, you could just the minute he walked in we just knew that he was, was Louis really was him, yeah. <laughs> it was insane and um, it was such a bold choice to do as well um to, to go into because obviously Louis is not a very nice character so to walk into an audition room like that but still get across this huge level of professionalism which Adam just carries and mm. um, it was absolutely fantastic so yeah um I think that he definitely took the challenge on board and I think that it might have given him some nightmares but <laughs> yeah it's gonna give me nightmares so <laughs> 
but yeah he um he really stepped up it was fantastic couldn't yeah. ask for a better actor and i think as well it's you know that a lot of our actors we we give them opportunities to uh, be a part of the film just as much as we are in the, the writing process so uh, we bring them in to collaborate we bring them in to just flesh out their characters as much as we have and it's it's brilliant to see someone that really does take on that role and really just you know take it personally a lot of the time and and live and breathe that character that's that's exactly what we're looking for in the audition process i'm hoping adam's okay now he's managed to shake <laughs> off the sort of the the a lot of the essence of, of louis yeah he is he, he is he's a very watchable character on screen but he's as i mentioned before he's not very likable in a lot of places I, th- I don't know whether we can understand him and go i kind of see where you're coming from but you know no sympathy for her. i didn't anyway i'm like you horrible horrible yeah. git yeah. Is, i think i think that's what i mean with the fact that louis is the lead character but is not a very nice character is something we we really wanted to show because i think you know linking back to to some of the things he says in the film that it's not as simple as heroes and villains and good and bad that we as humans are complex and flawed and it might be that he's a bit more flawed than most people um but that doesn't make him a villain as such so yeah it's nice to play with that and i think i think adam is just about okay (laughs) (laughs) he's okay nobody's seen him he's he's in his flat curled up in a ball in the corner but he'll be out at some point (laughs) yeah no, he's, 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 I mean, he's, he's a fantastic actor. He's such, such talent. So it's brilliant to be able to work with him. So has Louis, I mean, you mentioned a lot of people will be talking about the film and stuff, but from the feedback you've had so far, is Louis the most uh, talked about character of the three? Or hopefully people don't forget Ollie and Ben, because they're cool too. But you know, <laughs> I, th- I think, I know I came away thinking about all three of them, but obviously Louis, he's, he's turned up to 11, isn't he? So he tends to be the one where you're like, I've just watched this guy on screen and I want to throttle him. He's certainly the most divisive character. I yeah. think that um, when it's come to people's reactions, he's talked about more in the sense of people um, disagree with some of the things that he's done. Well, I, I should hope that they would. Yeah. Um, and obviously um, some of them have a little bit of sympathy for him as well. So that's always sparked some really interesting debates. Um, but yeah, again, um, it's not, the main debate I'd say of the film, I think that it's it's a very important one, but there are so many debates within the film that hopefully that the audiences can get something out of each different chapter. For example, the positives and negatives of um, sex can work in the second chapter and, um, you know, the significance of the Me Too movement in mm-hmm. the first chapter. And um, hopefully it's sparking up conversation. I mean, we'd hate to make a film where the audience just leaves thinking, yeah, that was that was a good film, and I'm I'm really interested in the cinematography because as, as brilliant as that is, it's, it is about the story and the characters, and it's um it's all about how we've gone about to create these characters and staying in those characters' lives is incredibly incredibly important for us. Um, so if we've sparked up any kind of debate as to what these characters are going through, then um I think that we've done a good job. Yeah, definitely, and I, I think because these these characters are real people you know even though they're not real in the actual film that they are characterizations but the stories and the issues they they go through are very real things that we've spoken to real people going through and so we need to make sure that we are doing justice to those characters that we are representing it accurately and responsibly and i think um you know as louis is a fantastic um character to hate um, and if I'm, and as, as I said, Adam's a fantastic actor, but equally the rest of the cast, the supporting actors in Chapter Three, so like Bruce, Dale, Jack, um, they are all, you know, without those characters and without those stories, 
we wouldn't have, I think, a well-rounded and fleshed out script. So, um, I, yeah, I think it was so lucky to be able to work with such incredible talent and with people who understand our process, collaborate with us and can bring so much to the to the real life characters that deserve that justice of story being told. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm, I'm just really, I'm really honoured <laughs> to be able to, to have a, such a, a, an experience. So they are all real people. There's nothing in that film where you watch it and you go, oh, as if that had happened. Oh, come on. Just took me out of it now. <laughs> Everything in it is, is I can't think of the phrase, but it it is very, very realistic. You know, yeah. you could easily have just been, that you could put documentary and people would, people would buy yeah. it. 100%, yeah. 100%. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people will find the content shocking, will find it, you know, provocative and, and completely beyond their realm of understanding of what life is like. Um, but realistically, they are real, genuine people who we've met and who we've spoken to. And I mean, for example, Ollie in chapter two, who, um, you know, we see him at the start of the film is isolated, lonely, um, struggling for money and finds uh, an opportunity to make quite a lot of money by doing online sex work. And that is something that, you know, a lot of us have been in a situation where we are desperate for money and would potentially do something like that. It's not that far off the realm of, of possibility for, for a lot of people. And I think the fact that we're exploring that situation and same with chapter one, which thanks to the many men and women who've spoken out about exploitative photographers and the, you know, with the me too movement and times up movement, we're now actually being able to look and explore those stories in a bit more, um, in a bit more conversation um, that we have with films. So, yeah, it's it's very much a possibility and very, very realistic, I think. I mean, I remember when the sort of Harvey Weinstein stories broke. And, I mean, I've known for decades who Harvey Weinstein was and all the films he produced. I'd heard the stories that he was this sort of person and that sort of person. As everybody in the, the filmmaking world had heard these stories. But I would go to my day job, which is totally not film, related and i would hear people who never even heard heard of harvey weinstein before they would be talking about harvey weinstein and all these things that were going on and names that they'd never heard of they would then start talking about so it's yeah the, the whole sort of me too thing kind of it blew up didn't it so it's, yeah uh, definitely um and it's something that I think is is really important. And I think that as time goes on, um, it is likely that we are going to get more stories because more people have been brave enough to speak out about it. And um, certainly chapter one, mm. we're hoping that that kind of documentation of of something that could have easily happened in the back room of a photography studio, um, we're hoping that that will kind of spark out and people to speak out and to talk about things, even not not even necessarily at a Hollywood level, but certainly we know actors and um, models that have had this actual experience, and um, you know it, it can happen at all sort of t- it can happen at all tiers. So yeah. um, we're very conscious of like helping people and letting them know that it, it is okay to speak out, and it's something that we'd be very interested in sort of making people aware of. I think, mm. and I, th- I think the fact that. Harvey Weinstein, the story about Me Too and all of the other, you know, um, high profile people who've now come out, uh, who, who it's now come out that they've abused their positions of power. The fact that that's now reached outside of the entertainment industry and into, you know, as you mentioned, your day job, um, you know, other people's day jobs that it's now being widely spoken about uh, outside of the film and media industry is fantastic because 
this type of abuse and this level of abuse doesn't just happen in film. It happens in day-to-day life all the time. Um, so the fact that this has been the catalyst for it um, is is just fantastic. As as painful as those conversations are um, and as painful as the experiences have been for those people, the fact that, that it's now coming out and it's now being spoken about with confidence, with bravery and with people you know, coming out and saying, well, thank you for doing this uh, to those people who have come out with it. Um, it's just a fantastic kind of opportunity for us to be able to join that conversation and stand up with the brave people who have come out. Yep. So I always think films should either entertain you or educate you. Sometimes both. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and yours has done both. Thank but, you. I'm, uh, I'm glad you found it entertaining. <laughs> I think, I think, um, a lot of people might uh, might find it, um, you know, um, a, difficult a, a, a difficult watch. watch. Yeah, I'm trying, trying to think of the words there. Thank you. Um, and I think um, the fact that this is a film for a lot of different people, as much as we say it's challenging and uncomfortable to watch at times, I do think it is quite an accessible film. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, more people can can watch it. So I'm going to sort of shift back to uh, back to Ollie a little bit. Because you know, chapter one, which isn't an Ollie one, but there, there's several people in that scene, and then we've got the Louis story. There's several people in that scene, but when we've got when we've got Ollie on camera in his house, that's pretty much just Tommy, isn't it? Mm. So what was the, I mean? Hats off to him. It's because it, you know Louis had people. The character Louis had people to play off, so that would help fuel the energy and stuff. But, but Tommy, pretty much just him, him in a laptop. So what was it like filming those scenes? Because he goes, as you said, he comes up with an idea and he goes, do you know what? I can, I can make my life a little bit better here. And we're happy for him because it's working. And then it, it might not. He seems a bit sad eventually. <laughs> and it's, it's heartbreaking to watch. So can you go into what it was like filming chapter two? Well, this was actually the first chapter that we filmed um, on the set. So that was very difficult because we were working with one actor and I think we had him for two, three days. Yeah. Three two, days. Three yeah. days. Um, so we had him for three days and um, that was it. We just had to get all of chapter two done in that time. And one thing that I felt really, really helped um, Tommy, because like I said, it's, it's very challenging when you've got nobody to act off and you've got to get into that headspace. Um, was he just threw himself into it in terms of his acting, but also it was made very, very real um, in terms of the research we put into it. And Gage actually created a webcam website um, where a lot of the scenes where Tommy is is doing those acts on camera, he was having to experience him doing those acts in front of an actual computer screen. And the um, comments would come up live in real time, which um, I think helped the process as well, um, because it certainly made Tommy feel a lot more within the scene, I imagine. Mm. Um, so I think that that was that must have been so challenging because a lot of the comments that came up, I'm sure you've seen in the film were, you know, very explicit and very disgusting. Not a nice thing to read. (laughs) So, so Tommy's reacting to these comments live in real time and he's just having to deal with it. He, he handles it so well and Mm. yeah, he's an absolutely phenomenal actor. And I think the, you know, we, we, as you mentioned, we built that website and I think, um, the fact that Tommy was acting completely on his own in one place. Um, and a lot of the time, the crew was very minimal in that area because a lot of the scenes are quite um, sensitive in terms of, um, you know, his state of undress. And so the fact is that he was even more alone in those rooms. It might have just been me and, you know, Matt, who was on camera. Um, 
And so for us, it was what was more exciting was the fact that this character, as well as Tommy, does feel isolated. Um, we did so much research on uh, webcam performers, and a lot of the comments that came back from them was how a lot of the time it can feel that kind of um, fake or crafted sense of um, excitement and buzz that, you know, as an audience, when you're watching a webcam show, you can hear all the sound effects. You can, you're can you in a chat room with loads and loads of people. Whereas if you're a performer on the other side of that, you are completely on your own. And it's that kind of um, difference between the two that we really wanted to get. And I think the fact that Tommy was on his own um, made it nicer because Ollie was on his own. Um, and so that hopefully that feeling came across of that, <laughs> excuse me, Oh, it hit me finally. There's the cough, finally. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling of isolation. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> there we go. I'm out. <laughs> but it is, it's definitely the loneliest of chapters, isn't it? Yeah, completely. completely. And it comes across very, very well on screen because I could still remember the shift where you go, oh, he's doing well. Oh, I just want to buy him a drink or something. That, that <laughs> yeah, sort of, you, yeah. you, the sympathy that you sort of feel for that character is is immense. Definitely. So what what you've succeeded to do on that chapter, nailed it definitely. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. As was Tommy, obviously, you know, because because <laughs> he was there. So. <laughs> um, I mean, what was the premiere like? So, you know, the atmosphere and how excited were you both to see it on a big screen? And what were your memories on that? Because I did see some pictures the day the day or two after, and they looked great. But, uh, just want to know what you two felt. Yeah. I mean, it was it was such a, a fantastic opportunity to be able to have something that we've created on such a, a mass stage for film and television, um, and and you know the the media industry and entertainment industry as a whole, because Leicester Square is like synonymous with brilliant you know content, and the fact that we were in that space on a Friday night at prime time with our film that we spent next to nothing on creating was just yeah, it was kind of a it was a bit we needed to pinch ourselves quite a lot throughout that night i think because it it was just a fantastic experience for us um and you know we we did it we we set out to do it because um i i was having a conversation with adam ayadi um a a month or so after we'd finished filming and he was asking about the premiere and i said oh we'll get it in leicester square laughing and then uh, he started laughing and i thought i just thought to myself hang on a minute why not why why not? And so we got um uh, when we got went home uh, that night um uh, I just thought you know what I'm just I'm just going to research this. I'm just going to like do it and from that point on started the four months of negotiation <laughs> to get to that point and the reason why we did it is because of everyone who worked on the film um they did it completely voluntarily um they it was a collaborative process everyone was really really um, a key part of the film uh, and the filmmaking process and we wanted to do it as a way of saying thank you and the fact that we believe in this film just as much as you do and um you know to, to say this this film deserves this platform because it's an important film um so the fact yeah the fact that we got that was fantastic and as much as it was a very stressful night <laughs> and a very terrifying night um to to see what we'd spent over a year on making um it was it was yeah very overwhelming Oh, yeah, I wanted to pick up on that as well, because um, although there was an overwhelming amount of pride there, there was definitely that fear of what if audiences don't like it. Um, we know that a lot of the scenes can be a bit risque, um, and we'd hope that 
what we've produced is something that is going to spark up conversation. So there was a huge amount of nerves associated with that, thinking we really hope that they get to see the crux of the film and see the issues that we wanted to highlight. And, um, well, looking at the reviews that we've got so far, we think that we have done that. So, yeah, um, definitely we're back to the prize bit now. Yeah. But, but there was a lot of nerves, yeah. a lot of nerves. We have a story, actually, of um, the process of just before we headed out to the, oh, to the no. premiere. <laughs> because we were, um, you know, we'd, we'd done so much in terms of getting everything ready for our guests and VIPs. We had goodie bags. We had, you know, everything like that, which were all ready. And we had a fantastic um, person who was helping us out, one of our colleagues, Alice Duggan, who was phenomenal in sorting everything out, like it is a production mm-hmm. manager role. Um, and moments before we were due to set off, I started with the worst nosebleed ever. Um, I was so ill that day um, before. And it was like, I think what it was was because we'd seen the film the day before in the screen and it was that kind of overwhelming sense of relief of, okay, there's nothing more I can do now. And then that's when <laughs> everything just hit me. Um, and so to add to the stress of of the actual film uh, about to be premiered to, you know, the full uh, sold out audience at Leicester Square. It was uh, even more so the fact that I was bleeding everywhere. <laughs> we had a lot of retouching of photos, yes. if I remember <laughs> <Yes>. rightly. <laughs> and a lot of tissue as well. So what's it like now? You've, you can look back and you go, yep, I made a film and it was premiered at Leicester Square. That's got to be immensely cool because that can never be taken away from you now. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah it, yeah, it certainly feels like that. And um, I think what's even nicer is the fact that it's it's still not over. We are still finding new ways, new things to be proud and uh, and to find excitement about our film. Um, because, you know, the more people see it, the more comments we're getting, the more reviews we're getting in. Um, it just goes to show that, you know, this is this is exactly why we're doing it. Um, and yeah, the fact that we got such a fantastic opportunity earlier this year um, is, is brilliant. But what we want more than anything is for more people to see it um, and to see it in any way that they can, be it on a, a phone, on the back of a bus or, you know, in a big screen in Leicester Square. It doesn't matter as long as people are watching our film and talking about it and finding it either challenging or exciting or whatever it is. That's the main thing for us. I think watch it on a big screen. You know, if you can't watch it at the cinema, that's okay because films don't live on forever in cinemas. But watch it on a decent sized TV. And if you watch it again, then watch it on a phone. Don't watch the film for the first time on a telephone. It's terrible. It's too small. Unless you've got a really big phone. Like yeah, 50, maybe a tablet. A tablet, I think, would probably that be. That might just cut it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the minimum, I think. Yeah. Don't watch it anything on anything smaller than a tablet. Um, yeah, I've never been a fan of watching films on phones. Listen to them on phones, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the journey of wretched things hasn't finished, as we've we've touched upon quite a few times. But what's what's next for you guys beyond wretched things? Well, we've got a film in post production at the moment called Tog, um, which we're expecting to release sometime next year. And um, that follows a similar story to Chapter One of Wretched Things, um, except it goes in a very different direction. So um, we're working on the post production for that. Um, so that was filmed in October. So we're just working on that at the moment. And obviously, um, distribution of Wretched Things. Um, in terms of future projects, I don't think we've got anything in the pipeline no. just yet. It's like, it's for the first time in like five years, because every single film we do, when we when we hit post-production, we're always in pre-production of the next one. Um, for the very first time in five years, we're, we're not in that. <laughs> we're in post-production of, of two different films. So um, 
you know the fact is we last year i think we we did some we did four films last year which is so much more than what we usually do um and tog which sean mentioned is something that we we actually haven't written as well it was written by uh, jack parr who plays joey in wretched things um and so it's quite exciting to have something else there something kind of the, a different challenge in terms of uh, it's not our characters as such um but we produced it and we directed it so um yeah it's it's nice to have that on the on the build up and coming out hopefully sometime this year so yeah we'll soon we'll soon see it's nice to hear that you're both finding some time to breathe as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's well needed sleep. Because <laughs> it's like being a film fan. I, you know, spent I spent an hour and a half watching Wretched Things. Maybe spent a little bit more time writing about it and researching about it and stuff. But you know, you guys will spend years sometime from the moment you go. I have this idea that I'm going to turn into a film. I'm going to make a script. I'm going to cast it. Film fans are very greedy, and I include myself in that. Where I go, oh, I've spent an hour and a half watching that. Right, what else you got? <laughs> it's like yeah. it takes me years to make these things. <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's what's that's actually what I, I love about film is that you know as as much as we spend years and years making them, the actual end product is an hour and a half or however long it is, um, and that's why a lot of the films we make are purposefully quite challenging because we do want them to have live on a little bit longer. Um, and this world we live in, which we shot coming up to four years ago now, three, three or four years ago now, um, we're still getting that into festivals as we speak. And it's nice to know that there is still that kind of desire and, and want for those types of films and the films that we make. I quite like um, the idea that we have a very greedy fan base. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. It's nice to have people that are committed to watching our films and people that want to see our films. Um, that's a privilege that not many people can attest to at our age, certainly. Um, so I just feel like that that's something that we're really, really excited about. And as much as we can promote things through social media and having somebody there that's going to like those posts mm. and want, want to engage more, that's what's really exciting. It's always the audience... Um, they're the most important people in the filmmaking process and their Definitely. thoughts as to what the films that we've created they're, they are what inspire us to create more films so um, yeah keep being greedy yeah thank you I will <laughs> yeah, I've, I haven't been I've been able to shake off the greedy film side of me since you know birth I think <laughs> there's several filmmakers who will make a film and they'll spend years doing it and then I'm like brilliant right what's next <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and I have you know I will have to sometimes wait two, three, four, five, six years but it's always worth the wait because um, I was having a privileged position where I know more about what goes into filmmaking than somebody who just puts the Netflix on and watches a film. So I do appreciate the amount of work that you guys put into making films. So I'm, I'm happy to wait, but on, on the other hand, I'm not, if that, make, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, typically with us, we have a very, very t- uh, quick turnaround. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that it was about this time last year that we started actually producing the film and then we only pre- we premiered the feature last month. We do have quite a quick turnaround, so hopefully there should be another one not too far away for you. So yeah, we'll so, so by the time I get in tomorrow, then yeah, then <laughs> from my night shift, it should be that's fantastic. Got something to look forward to then. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. This world we live in that was created with a very very small amount of time mm. in pre-production. Can you remember what it was? It was, it was uh, five days. Wow. <laughs> five days of pre-production then five days of production and then about three days of post and then it was it was done and that's now reached half a million people on youtube which is that's intense um 
And that's that's less time than it took for me and you to you know to do this podcast, <laughs> set this yeah. podcast up. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I've, it's it's it was incredible, and it it really was just kind of a we need to make something. It was that mm. kind of overwhelming urge to think like no, we we need to do something now, um, and we just got our camera and <laughs> did it and wrote it and did it, and um, I think that was that was brilliant because we didn't have enough time to be able to get worried about it or to get caught up in it. We just did what we felt was right and got it out there and, and people have agreed that they felt that it was right and they've liked it. So yeah. yeah. I just remember pulling that all nighter. We just, it was me, you and Beth Fallon, he's the other um, producer at auction films. And we just pulled an all nighter thinking about what story we wanted to tell and we just did it. We organised how many filming days we'd need, what locations we'd need. It was really, really bizarre. And then it was just like, right, there's the idea. Let's go and let's, let's go make this. Just yeah. get the logistics sorted, and that's that. So yeah, it was really bizarre. Yeah. Um, and then our next film, we had nine months of pre-production, uh, which was pulled. The, the uh, which we had to keep on rehearsing over and over and over again. Um, but only uh, one shooting only day. Only one shooting day, which was yeah. <laughs> so you know, it could be either one, but we'll we'll do our best to get something for you tomorrow. <laughs> Brilliant. So so I'll round this up because I'm going to head off to my wonderful night shift of Ooh. eleven hours. But for, uh, a question for each of you: What is what's one of the fun stories? that you've taken away from the making of wretched things do you know if somebody when you're sitting there one day and you're you're in the sun and you've got a cold drink and you go oh, i remember that <laughs> and it, it will just make you smile or, or cringe it's up to you i'll let you choose but gauge what one springs i think sean's already got one judge yeah. by the way she's <laughs> laughing her head off clean ones that's what i'm worrying about <laughs> oh it doesn't it doesn't matter I, I've, I've you can swear in this podcast or whatever i don't care um for me this is uh, this might be a bit of a cheat one but um June for me last year was one of the, the just the greatest periods of my life. It was it was genuinely one of the. I spent a solid month off of my usual work, all my other work, um, on doing something that I want to do for the rest of my life. It was with. Was that, watch, was that watching the World Cup? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish. You know what? What was even nice? That's the other part of it. Is uh, you know, I was doing it with. Not only was I making the film with all the people that I love and and cherish and respect and everything, but I got to get out of the World Cup. I could ignore it completely because I was making a film, and that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, my favorite artist, Florence and the Machine, released their album at the end of the month. Uh, is on this last filming day. Um, it was the season finale of RuPaul's Drag Race, and it was like everything just came together so perfectly in June that year. And it was, you know, the, the heat was nice. It was really nice and warm. And it was just like, it, when I look back at June as a whole, it just feels like everything was perfect. Everything was right. And it was, um, I, yeah, I think the one, the one day though, was the one day we had off during chapter three <laughs> and we went into Leeds um, and Sean went shopping and I just, <laughs> I just sat in a seat waiting for Sean to finish shopping and I was reading the shortlist magazine and just fell asleep in this chair in the middle of Leeds city centre and I think genuinely when I look back that was one of my favourite experiences because it was like it just felt everything just felt so right and so secure and it was it was just yeah it was brilliant. I think for me um certainly the one that I'll probably tell the grandkids or maybe not is um <laughs> is managing to get um Bruce for a few days um which was really really exciting um until 
we realized that we had nothing written for him and we were just we were just we weren't expecting to get him and because of scheduling conflicts and then he just turned out to be free and we were like we, we need this guy in there because he's such an amazing actor so um you kind of worked with him to create this narrative you give him about five choices and it was the actors that so adam and bruce they decided what narrative they were going to go with and we just incorporated um that scene you'll have seen it in wretched things it's the boxer scene yeah. um and and they just did that completely improvised and i think one thing that I distinctly remember about being on set is the absolute vileness of the way that was shot, which is which is testament to Rachel Frost's makeup abilities. Um, she did fantastic in replicating um, certain bodily fluids, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes. and I just remember being so appalled and disgusted by um, by Adam's character, and so sorry for Bruce's that I genuinely couldn't be on set I had to hide behind a sofa because I couldn't watch what was going on on the monitor I felt genuinely sick and so that's certainly something that I'll take away from the film and that's a funny story yeah when the when the AD literally can't look at the screen I'm just there (laughs) like no I'm I'm not doing it I'm sorry this is too much Um, I watched it on a a 50 inch TV screen and I ducked (laughs) yeah I can't yeah I gagged multiple times through the preview screenings it has to be said um but again I think that that scene is is so important to chapter three that I can't imagine chapter three without it even though it was entirely improvised it it adds so much to the um to the story and it's certainly one of the times where we see um Adam's character of Louis as as the most repulsive character Mm -hmm. I think that there's a moment where the lighting just falls on him just right and he genuinely looks like Satan (laughs) he looks like the devil and it's this horrible twisted contorted face and a look of almost pure evil and um yeah just absolute fabulous acting from both Adam and Bruce in that scene and that's certainly one of the most memorable days on set for me Definitely. I'm guessing that scene won't be in Adam's showreel. I don't know, maybe put it in there. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It'll get people talking. Yeah. I think everybody has nailed perfection in that film. I genuinely did enjoy watching it all. Um, so my thanks to everybody, not only just who was on screen, but everybody who was behind the camera, who was maybe hiding in another room because they didn't want to gag <laughs> yet again. But you've all done a fantastic job. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you Stuart. so much, Stuart. I really appreciate that. Thank you. So, where can people find out more about yourselves, about the films you make? This is a time when you could just shout out your social media or your website <laughs> yes. channels. Or you just pimp yourself out. It's fine. <laughs> um, so, the best place to find us is on our social media. So, we've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, they are at Oxygen Film or Facebook, just type in Oxygen Films. Um, we also have a website which is oxygenfilms.co.uk and some of our previous films and other content is also available on our YouTube uh, and hopefully chapter one should be going on there as well as Amazon Prime very, very soon. Um, but of course, follow us on our social medias and we'll always give a message when they're about to go out. Fantastic. Yep. You agree with all that, Sean? Oh, absolutely. Yep, like, I don't feel like there's anything else that needs to be said there. And use the hashtag wretched things uh, to join in the conversation if you want to see exclusive posts from some of our cast and crew too. Brilliant. I'll make sure I use the hashtag wretched <laughs> things as well. <laughs> thank so, you. There we go. And uh, thank you very much for the, the mention of the label as well at the beginning when I'm like, there shouldn't be labels, but I, I, I'm not going to say I didn't see the benefit of using labels, but it's nice for me to learn a new perspective where it's like that's beneficial and it doesn't doesn't alienate people who might not watch this sort of certain genre of film if that's the correct phrase yeah it can exactly. bring them into it so it benefits everybody i think so I've, 
I will start using labels now and again. But I look forward to a day when we don't have yeah. to use labels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're excited for that day just as much as you. <laughs> well, I, I did. I put a press release out for a film that's got Vivica Fox in it. So film companies will send me press releases. I'll put them on a website, blah, blah, blah. And this one came out, and it was, uh, see Vivica Fox as the female president in such and such a film. And I put the press release out. I didn't think anything more about it. And then maybe a week or so after, this guy messaged me, and he went, why did you put female president? I'm like, that's a really good yeah. point. I don't I mean, that was in the press release. So I then went in and took out the word female. It's like, see Vivica Fox as the president. I'm like, didn't even think about that that fact, but now I, I find myself educated. So Exactly. I think I, I think it's it's fantastic that the, these types of conversations are happening. And I think we are at a really weird transition point between um, being able to not use labels and also having to still kind of use labels. So... One day, hopefully, we'll soon find out. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for, for all your help in supporting uh, Independent Film Stuart. It's really, really appreciated. And it will carry on. You'll, you'll probably, I don't think you'll get sick of me tweeting, but you will see me visibly <laughs> tweeting till, till the end of the uh, end of the earth. <laughs> well, thank, so. thank you so much for all you do. But you both enjoy your evening, the rest of your weekend, etc. You too. Uh, tonight. Thank okay, you for taking much. time out to... Join my podcast. So thank you very much. No, thank you. Okay. Thank you very Thanks much for the opportunity. Us. And uh, yeah, we'll hope you enjoy the film as well uh, to your audience. They will. I'll make sure they do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you. Take, take care, guys. All right. You speak too. soon. Bye take bye. care. Bye bye. You know, I told people I was straight into my mid-twenties. It's one of my biggest regrets. I feel like I lost my entire youth. You know, our magazine reaches two million unique readers every single week. That's two million eyes on you. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.